Okay, crackpots, let's get cooking! Many strange legends are told of these jungles in India, but none as strange as the story of a young boy named Mowgli. And now, senors and senoritas, please place your eyes into the center of the room that is. We present W, -W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 636. And together each week, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook every Wednesday night, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find everything else at www.radio.com. So this week, I sit down with Mike Purcell, the voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover and living with the land attractions in Walt Disney World to discuss the process, and I think the pressure, of being the voice of beloved attractions in the parks. We'll also discuss his career at Walt Disney Feature Animation, working with Roy Disney, his cameo appearance in the Disney animated short film John Henry, and working at the Magic of Disney Animation building at the Disney MGM Studios. Mike also talks about composing the musical score for Space Mountain and Tomorrowland, alongside Michael Giacchino's score for the Disneyland version. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win an all-new Disney, maybe Marvel, prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for the question of the week, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Welcome to a voyage of discovery and awareness of the richness, the diversity, and the often surprising nature of living with the land. Our journey begins as dramatic and sudden changes are sweeping over the land. The approaching storm may seem violent and destructive to us, but to nature, it's a new beginning in the cycle of life. Oftentimes, those who help make the magic we know love and enjoy in the Disney parks and on screen are people whose names we might not instantly know or recognize. But in my continuing effort to highlight those individuals off screen, backstage, in the studio, at their desk, and often behind the scenes, I want to introduce you to one, a, a person of many talents, to say the least, and, and one who wears many hats. He is a composer, animated voiceover artist, and much more. He is Mike Brassell. And Mike, I want to welcome you to the show. Hey, thank you so much, though. I appreciate it, honestly. So thank well, you. For that. But, uh, like I said, you you have worn 
many, many hats and are a man of many talents. You have such an incredibly gifted and, and talented career through so many different parts of the Disney company and the parks and, and the movies. I almost don't know where to start, but I think like any good story, we need to start at the beginning. And, and when I say the beginning, like I literally in the beginning of your early childhood, because literally from the time you were born, you were instantly <laughs> surrounded by some of the greats in their field or in this case uh, in their sport. Yeah. <laughs> what a great transition. Yeah, absolutely. Three days, as a matter of fact, before I was born, my father was in the ring with uh, George Foreman and he was fighting him. He was a professional fighter. My dad was and had a great, great, uh, a great, great career. And I was just proud to be a part of that whole thing, just being part of his uh, family, of course. Uh, he didn't win that fight, unfortunately. He talked to us about this, uh, my brothers and I. Uh, he was fighting him, that doing great, as a matter of fact. And then he said, uh, Foreman brought down like this roundhouse on his forehead, knocked him to his knees. He wasn't knocked out. He was just stunned for a bit. But his, his uh, trainer, knowing Foreman, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to throw in the towel. So he literally threw in the towel. My dad did not get a chance to finish the fight. It was all good. Uh, or just part of his career, but that was uh, me at three years old. My dad was in, uh, uh, was it Texas fighting Foreman? It was, uh, it was fun. And of course, he goes on to fight uh, and spar with Muhammad Ali. And this is why World of Sports. I don't know if you remember the ABC's opening logo with the uh, the was it the skier that just kind of yeah. tumbles off? <laughs> yeah. I remember that, and my dad had an exhibition fight, all my brothers do, as a matter of fact, uh, where he had a seven-round exhibition fight with uh, Ali because my dad was just speedy, worked with Angelo Dundee, Ali's trainer, and just was uh, uh, working with him fighting. My dad was really, really awesome, had a great career, so I'm really proud of him, and yes, you're right, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was among the greats, and I'm just so proud to be a part of that whole legacy. No, that's great. I love it. And and kids, you can George Foreman is the grill guy, but he, I'm I'm telling you, he had an amazing career as a professional boxer long before that. But but let's sort of get to to your story and how your story begins, because especially when you talk to a lot of voiceover artists, these are the kids who were doing voices in school and were the class clowns and sort of trying to imitate and mimic so many of the voices they saw on screen. How did all of this start for you in terms of your childhood leading into what became your career? Well, we were, um, my brothers and I, when I say we, we were uh, looked after uh, by my grandmother during summer. We were latchkey kids. Uh, and so we used to watch uh, Looney Tunes all the time. And of course, Looney Tunes was a consummate cartoon for plenty of kids. Three o'clock, you knew that was the time that you'd hear this uh, this beautiful music coming out. And it was going to be uh, Daffy Duck or Bugs Bunny do something silly. And I, of course, we got a chance to learn those voices and do those in the summer in the country where I lived. It was just so cool to be able to actually uh, be a part of that whole thing. That, that was awesome. Everyone loves those. Um, and that's really kind of what affected me here in the beginning. Like, why? Oh, wow, that was a one person doing all, all of those voices. It was amazing to me to be able to see that and understand that. And of course, I never knew that I was going to be part of the Disney culture later on. And to just kind of bring that out was just was a, a nice transition. It was it was really cool uh, to be able to do that. And it was fun. You know, kids at home, just doing whatever, singing in hairbrushes and, and just being silly the uh, mirror, you never know what that can do for you. So I say keep uh, keep the dream alive, folks. 
So as you're growing up, because your your career and sort of you know sort of the the two you know main aspects of it are are the not just the voiceover work but the music work. So where does your early career and education start leading you and down what path did you begin first? I appreciate that question. As a matter of fact, uh, that starts for me um, again at seven years old, uh, again at my grandmother's house uh, being watched there. We didn't have a whole lot to do, you know, as kids, you kind of make your own fun. Um, So I had a piano um, that I had access to and that was right when Star Wars was released. And of course, Star Wars, I should know, even surprised Lucas at how, how, how popular it became and how awesome that story was. Right story, right time. And so for everyone, and I wouldn't say everyone, but for most people, that Star Wars captivated their imaginations. And so it did mine to the point that I was like, wait a minute, what is this absolutely awesome music I'm listening to? Uh, I was just never, uh, I had never heard something like that in music, uh, in movies, especially so far. So it really, like many people, it really captivated my imagination and made me listen to the soundtrack. I have my Sony Walkman uh, where I was just listening to this thing over and over. It got into my DNA so much that uh, sitting down at the piano there at my grandmother's house, just at seven years old, and I honestly can viscerally remember this. It was like a lightning shock sitting there going, this is the thing that's going to be with me the rest of my life, period. And that it's been a laser focus ever since, Lou. I have been interested in composing. And of course, the, the ancillary uh, voiceovers has happened as well. And that's thanks to my dad. My dad was very instrumental in uh, public speaking and all that good stuff. And so he had a lot of courses that my brothers and I sort of took on our own. And we're just never afraid to, to do it. And, I, and I'll tell you this. The reason why I feel like we've been able to do what we've been able to do or I've been able to do what I've been able to do is simply because my dad uh, never said that we couldn't. Um, what a great influence. I don't have a cap, if you will, in my uh, in my growth. There's no reason to say no. There's, I mean, you can do it until you can't, right? It's that type of thing. So Star Wars influenced me. John Williams is absolutely my favorite composer. That guy is awesome. He's like a composer's composer. They all love him as well. So this guy is unbelievable. And that's what I have in my heart to this day, as a matter of fact, to not to be like him, but to be inspired by him and his works and all that he's done and to try to do whatever I can to achieve the excellence that he has. Well, first, I have to comment on your your father's support and encouragement. It it is so incredibly critical. I had the same thing growing up as a kid, and it's something I try and instill in my kids and and in other people as well. So, for you, music becomes the focus, and do you go to school for it? Is this a self taught thing? And how does this go from education to career? What are sort of the steps that you take along the way that eventually bring you to Disney? It's a great question. And I don't have uh, the world's best answer for this, except that I just had inspiration uh, to to do this thing. So therefore, I, I that did is the best answer. I think that is the best answer. Like you, you know, inspiration. There's a lot. There's a lot of um, power in inspiration. And there was here with this one. It drove me. It drives me now. It drove me then. It drives me now. It truly does. 
Um, and education, of course, you can pick up everything that you can from your peers, from your peer circle, from your influence circle as well to get uh, pieces and tidbits on how to get better. And of course, listening, using your ears to me is one of the best features uh, that I've been able to uh, tap into to actually understand whether or not I can actually do this thing. So you, you put yourself out there, you tell people, of course, marketing wise, that you can do this thing and you start getting jobs in and you actually start doing this stuff. And then there's the belief circle right there. Hey, look guys, I can do this for you. They, they give you a project and you do it for them. <laughs> and so therefore you just try to get better and better and better. Uh, that was my education. I took a little bit of classes there at Berkeley um, which is always a, a consummate uh, composing school, uh, creative school, which is great. And I love them, love to plug them as well. But um, really, it's all just by ear and just natural um, uh, practice, I guess. Just just doing it, and that's the best. That's the best advice I have. So you're you're in um, you're in California. How does how do you get to start working for Disney, and and in what capacity initially? Oh, great question. Okay, I never uh, thought of myself being at Disney. I, be, being from the Midwest and love the movies, just never thought I'd be a part of that whole thing. Well, I started with Cats Don't Dance, believe it or not, and that's Turner's feature, uh, Turner feature animation. That's Ted Turner's attempt at uh, in the animated studio. He did great with uh, uh, one of the previous ones that he did. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, I can't remember. Forgive me, Lou, but... Uh, uh, they were successful at that uh, previous movie and got me on, on Cats Don't Dance. And that was a great time. I enjoyed it. It was my first foray into animation itself. I got a chance to do a whole lot of relationship building with the producers and all the cast and crew there. Really fantastic. And of course, through those relationships, I managed to bridge a job to Disney. Uh, and I started with Fantasia 2000. Um, and that was my first foray with Disney. That's my first touch with animation with Disney. And I came on as a PA, production assistant. I did whatever it is they needed me to do and, and copy paper, uh, uh, gave animators coffee. Uh, it was just, it was a great, great job, shot scenes. I enjoyed that. I had never known anything about the industry like that when I got into it. I was like, wow, this is cool. I didn't know people did this. I really didn't. Uh, so it was really cool and made more relationships. And of course, as I told you, in marketing for myself, I always told people, hey, look, I can write music. I can do this. I can do that. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in yourself enough to tell people what you can do and have them uh, have them engage you. And so that that happened throughout my career at Disney. Had so it was the idea career. to let me get my foot in the door and, and at some point I will be able to show them what I can do from a music perspective and start writing music for movies. Yeah, absolutely. That was my intent. But of course, uh, Disney has their way on doing those types of things themselves. And you have to follow the rules. No problem. I got a chance to actually get a, uh, in con uh, contact with Eric Goldberg, one of the most consummate animators of Disney. That guy is, is tremendous. He was awesome. And so then my words reached him and his camp. And so his wife comes and asks me if I would speak with him. I'm a PA at, on Fantasia. I, I, I'm a nothing guy. Uh, and that's not a problem. And I go in to speak with Eric. I'm so nervous. I don't know what he wants. I don't know if I got in trouble. And then he's asking me, hey, uh, I've got an idea. And I'd love to work with you on the music. So what? Are you kidding me? So my heart drops out of my chest going, yeah, absolutely. 
I'll absolutely do this for you, Eric. And so he sits down and he talks to me about his idea. It was uh, the princess, uh, I'm sorry, the frog prince. That's what his idea was initially. And I go home and I, I'm just in on cloud nine. I can't believe that I'm able to do this. And Eric has asked me to write the music with him. And so I get on my keyboard and go to work. And we come up with five songs. He sings some, I sing some, and he pitches this to Michael Eisner, who was head at the time, and uh, it went over well. I'm happy to report that was that was so great. He and I had talked about that, and then of course they uh, they put it on the shelf for a while and ended up not doing it. They still purchased our songs. That is still Disney property, and that's the first time I've actually sold any music to Disney. That was my first touch creatively with Disney outside of being a PA. Uh, so that was exciting. That was exciting. I hate that we didn't get a chance to do the music, of course. And, uh, you know, they had the Princess and the Frog later on. I'm not sure how much they used of Eric's material, but that was so exciting to be able to do that. Um, it was so fun. And I can remember the movie now. It was Page Master. Forgive me. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but just to have that experience of somebody recognizing your initiative, your drive, your talent, your creativity, to say, hey, I'm Eric Goldberg. I, you know, I worked, I was the animator for the genie. I want, I want you to be the guy to come and do this with me. And look, you know, at Disney, no good idea, no good piece of music ever dies. So you never know when it might uh, be dusted off the shelf and used elsewhere. But in addition to, to that, you had your hand in and, and worked on a number of films, right? Hercules, Atlantis, uh, Tarzan, Lilo and Stitch. Tell me about some of the other roles and responsibilities that you had during your time at Feature Animation. Yeah, absolutely. I started because um, I started in pa uh, Pasadena. We, we were at the old Skunk Work building over by Burbank Airport. That was fun. I love that so much. Uh, ping pong tables and everything. I mean, it really was a fun, fun time. Those animators worked very hard. I should tell you, it's not like it was all fun all the time. Those guys got down to work uh, and I was there and my team to support them. Uh, it was fun to be able to do that. We did uh, support with Milan in Florida. And then I worked on uh, Fantasia, as you had mentioned, of course. And then we did uh, Human Again, Beauty and the Beast, Alan Menken, adding that song in. What a nice, nice uh, uh, project that was to kind of work on something that was a classic. Um, I miss the Lion King days. So this was just <laughs> nice to, to work on Beauty and the Beast uh, as well. And then I got moved over to Kingdom of the Sun, it was. And it turned into Emperor's New Groove. Uh, but I, that was training for me. That and Tarzan, I got to train on and moved to my new job as an assistant or uh, assistant production manager in Florida. So they moved me to the Florida studio as well there. And of course, Milan had come out and done really well for the Florida studio. So they got a new building and all that stuff. They were working at Disney MGM at the time. That's, that was the park name then. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I and our two sons at the time, we ran through our silver pass, just <laughs> using the parks all over the place. I mean, it was astounding. We talk about it to this day. Uh, I has, Believe it or not, Lou, I had not gone to uh, Walt Disney World ever before I came down to work um, on Lilo and Stitch and Brother Bear. And so when my family and I got down there, oh, it was just the, the best thing ever. 
Uh, we had experienced the parks, all four of them, all the time. Hey, you guys want to go ride Tower Terry? Yeah. So we just go ride Tower Terry on the weekend and, and head home before the, <laughs> the crowd hit the parking late at night. And we got a chance to see fireworks outside of our door. It, it was absolutely astounding. And I enjoyed every moment of that. Uh, that's where that took me, as a matter of fact. So we got down to Florida. I just sort of to cap uh, round that off, off for you. We to, to cap it. We did uh, Lilo and Stitch. We did Brother Bear. We did some Winnie the Pooh attractions. We did Goofy How to Haunt a House, uh, and that was pretty much it. They were going to another production, and I wasn't able to continue on with them around 2002, 2003. That's when they closed the studio. So there's a couple of there's a couple of things I want to I want to put a pin in during your time sure. that's there. One of the films that you worked on was is is still what I think one of the most underrated uh, Disney films, which is Atlantis. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but you are leaving out another little story because your involvement in that film did not necessarily just happen behind the scenes doing the work that you were assigned to do. Uh, I, I know that there is a story about you being called into someone's office and uh, and having a little bit more of a direct connection to one of those characters. Yeah, <laughs> Lou, you're absolutely right. I, I hate to miss this story. I love this, as a matter of fact. What a trip this was for me. So I'm walking down the hall. This was during lunch. And I get a call uh, by a Mr. Ron Husband, animator, uh, of course, of um, the Dr. Sweet character. And he has me sit down. Now, I didn't know exactly what was going on at the time, I should admit. Uh, but I was sitting down at his desk, and he gave me a bowl uh and he gave me some chopsticks and he posed me. He sort of moved my arms around and told me to hold position. He'd draw a little bit. I knew he was drawing me. I didn't know what for. Uh, so he did that for a good 15, 20 minutes. And he said, okay, I'm going to get back to you and let you know if they accept this. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So he has his character, Dr. Joshua Sweet. Uh, I'm forgetting about this whole thing. Time goes on. I'm still a PA. Uh, and all of a sudden he comes, it shows me, he goes, Mike, look, they approved the, uh, they approved the model. I was like, what? And I look at it and it's Dr. Sweet. And I'm like, man, that looks awfully familiar. <laughs> of course, because his poses are my poses doing the chopsticks of the bowl. So I think he used me as the face model. As a matter of fact, I, I know he did, which was a huge honor for me. Are you kidding? This is absolutely awesome. Now, normally, and of course he did, he used the voice talent's face as well. Uh, it mixed in with mine too. So I, I'm the, one of the bases for the face model for Dr. Sweet. And my kids love that story. Of course, we started collecting Dr. Sweet everything. Right. We got the little dolls and uh, we got the cookies, believe Come it or not. Kids, Atlanta it's Saturday night. We're watching Atlantis again. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. But what a tremendous thing. Uh, and that followed me, as a matter of fact, through um, John Henry. I'm actually the preacher uh, right when John and Polly get married, you'll see a bald character, a preacher, and uh, glasses. And of course, I'm wearing glasses now. That was uh, that was me then. And then, of course, they did that with Cobra Bubbles as well for Lilo and Stitch. So how, uh, how awesome is that? I'm very honored to be indelibly etched in, uh, in uh, Disney's films, <laughs> including Eric Goldberg. That's one thing that I wanted to share also on Fantasia. I'm one of the characters that, uh, in, in a, a black suit, I'm one of the characters in the subway that sort of stumbles out. Uh, and I know this because uh, uh, Eric's wife had told me uh, about that. And that was awesome. That was awesome. So I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm in four movies, uh, four animated features with Disney. And that just makes me so happy. 
That's great. And we'll, and we'll get to talking about legacy and being indelibly a part of not just what's on screen, but something that guests continue to experience today. But but you were there during this time, this very interesting time in animation, certainly here in Orlando. Uh, I remember as a kid going through the backlot tour and being able to look down into the into the fishbowl as it were and watching those animators at work being fascinated that this park was more than just a theme park it was a place where that movie magic that i love was literally getting made right there and we were able to to see that happen but when they closed the studios um and i remember um uh, i remember speaking with tony west when dream on silly dreamer came out which chronicled the story of what had happened with the closing of the park and there's so much to that too sort of that that idea that so much was being captured along the way not expecting this to happen but that there was all this documentary archival footage that you were able to refer to but tell me about what that whole process was like from remembering when it happened, when when the announcing of the closing of the studios happened, and then moving over to Dream on Silly Dreamer. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We had heard about that a little while ago. We weren't sure it was going to happen. Uh, so uh, Dan Lund, and I worked with Tony West. They were both in Florida. Oh, they were fantastic individuals. I love them to this day. And they were talking about having that archive of footage and wanting to do something with it. Um it's funny you mentioned the fishbowl. I used to have meetings with my team in that there's a, a fake story room, if you will, or a meeting room right there when the glass opens up. And uh, we had meetings there. It was so cool to be able to do that. I love that so very much. Uh, it was the coolest thing in the world, honestly, to be a, a part of that as well. I, I wanted to share that with you. But yeah, yeah, but if you're listening and don't know what we're talking about, where – um, the, the Star Wars launch bay is now used to be the magic of Disney animation and it was a walkthrough exhibit and you were actually able to look down through these glass windows to not just that that meeting room, but there were artists at their desks uh, literally, you know, doing pencil and sketch work there, whether it was on stage or off stage, whatever it was. But it was fascinating for us as guests to be able to see work that was going on there that was eventually going to end up on screen. That's the truth. It showed background uh, effects. It showed compositing. I had some people on the tour there that actually had their offices on the tour. They were right by the window. That was uh, part of my department there as well. Yeah, you're right about that. That was uh, what a cool thing that was. I never actually took the tour myself. I don't think I got a chance to to take it, but it was a uh, it was cool. You to were see the that. tour, Mike. You didn't have to take the tour. You were the tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would tell you this. One day, my family came in, and they were on the uh, art of animation tour, magic of animation tour, and right at where we were in the uh, fishbowl, the um, um, who, who was it? I'm trying to think. Um, I can't remember who it was. They unlocked the door and they allowed my kids to come in and come down. And that was just the coolest thing in the world for me, for them to kind of be able to join me in that whole experience. I don't know if they ever got a chance to go back on the tour again, but uh, that was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, wow. <laughs> and my office, you can see my office from the fishbowl. It, it was far further down the way, but, uh, and I don't know how much it has changed. I've been there in a couple of years myself to see the changes, but uh, but I'm hearing that I think my area has changed quite a bit due to Star Wars. And that you know, if you're going to be replaced, 
why not right. be replaced by Starboys, <laughs> right? And I wasn't there anymore either. But to go back to what you were talking about, yeah, Tony West and uh, Dan Lund had their sights set on this whole document uh, documentary uh, footage and archive thing, and they had planned on doing it for a while, and they started, and it became Dream One Silly Dreamer, and Dan Lund and I talked. And again, it's about uh, uh, developing relationships and letting people know what you do. I think it's important to market yourself. Um, people believe that and they believe in you. And so they did. They talked to me about doing the score for that film. Of course, of course, which uh, uh, Walt Disney, um, uh, Roy, uh, Walt Disney's uh, nephew, Roy Disney, of course, of course, uh, funded this whole project. Uh, and that was exciting to have him as part of this thing. Um, it was it was awesome. And to be able to tell the story about how the, the ups and downs of the uh, Disney animation, everyone loves Disney. It's still and their storytelling and all the stuff that they did. But it was amazing to see what they did with 2D animation. Um, and you wouldn't have imagined that they would have closed those doors, but they did and they continue on. And of course they continue to be uh, innovators as well themselves, uh, but felt the pressure to go to 3D um, after 2D they felt was sort of um, going by the wayside. There's so many uh, talented artisans that, that work there 2D and 3D to this day. Um, my utmost respect to them all. So I'm, I'm proud to be actually, uh, actually part of that as well in composing um, that movie and working with Roy. That was ex exciting, so exciting. To have his name attached to this was just sure. like the pinnacle. But as, as sad and disappointing as the closing of the studio was, was this for you personally? Was this sort of that transition point for you or jumping off point where now you go from doing these, um, uh, you know, behind the scenes, backstage PA type work. Now you've got this gig composing. Is this what helps to move you to not just composing for the parks, but doing voiceover work as well? And, and then which one came first and how? Great questions. And yes, that transition was exactly how I managed to bridge the gap for composing and for voiceover as well. I was doing voiceover just a little bit before the studio closed, as a matter of fact. It's how I got my first gig doing uh, a nationwide tire sales uh, for the East Coast. Uh, I was working with a coach and some of their people, uh, some of the coaches people there in Orlando, as I started to get more serious about doing voice voiceover to the point where there, my agent, not my agent at the time, but the, the time that I was dealing with my agent through my coach had asked me to, it was like an emergency. They said, Mike, can you come down to the studio and start doing a voiceover for this tire reseller? I was like, uh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, and so I talked to my boss and she's like, yeah, Mike, going down. So I did and got in the booth. They just shoved me in there real quick, put my headphones on. All of a sudden, I'm on there with the director. And he's saying, Mike, Mike, we need you to do this and that, this and that. And so I did that. Um, and it turned out to be, like I said, uh, a tire sales uh, company on the east uh, eastern seaboard. It was fantastic. The reason why the guy uh, previous to me just didn't do what they were asking for, and they needed an emergency quick fix. Turned out I was the guy. I did everything they wanted to do. And uh, they hired me on as the uh, as a talent for the agency that day. 
it was tremendous. And that job lasted for a good six months. And it was just incredible. I was like, what? This is awesome. This is what I would love to do as well. So yeah, that, that really helped me with my voiceover career. Uh, and then of course I, uh, with my agency, I got in the circles of doing auditions for the Orlando agencies down there. And Disney was one of them. And that sort of, uh, I worked out with some of my relationship circle as well. I had met a good friend of ours, a family friend, Charles Moore, who was connected with Disney at the time. I don't know if you remember Disney Ideas. That was set up by Roy Disney as well. They did a whole lot of uh, media production back then. They were located at Disney MGM Studios at the time. And I got a chance to do a whole lot of e-learning and lots of other voiceover projects for them. Then uh, my agent put me out for the monorail. It was for the monorail. I, I, I didn't realize it. I got the script and I was looking at it. It was a celebration. I went to a studio there and was doing this, uh, the monorail spiel. <laughs> that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, what is going on here? I can't believe it. I'm doing a monorail spiel, even just for an audition. That was the coolest thing. So we did it. I, I was, They submitted it. They liked it. They said I did not get the job. It was all good. Uh, but I ended up being called back, of course, for uh we're living with the land uh, after that. And that's what bridged that one for me. And living with the land is, you know, it might not be the quote unquote sexiest attraction, but it is, it is one of these, it's a staple of Epcot center. Um, and so you, at what point do you, um, and what year, if you can remember, do they change uh, and you become the narrator? Cause, cause isn't Marsha Mason, in the queue and you're the narrator for the attraction itself. Yes, I believe so. But I can't tell you, Lou, what year it was. I cannot remember the year. I'm so sorry. Um, but they did. You're right. They took out the boat drivers as the uh, spiel givers and they decided to go with uh, automated voiceover and they chose me as the talent to replace them. Was it 2011? Um, I, was it somewhere around there? Something like that. Little, yeah. Because yeah, I think that's when Chiquita took over the, the sponsorship. Yes. So it might have been right around there. Yeah, that's that, that's great. So it's so it's been a, a good while, as a matter of fact, uh, doing that. And that was uh, fantastic. I love that. Uh, big ups to my producer there uh, in Orlando at Walt Disney World Studios uh, for that job. That guy was awesome. I mean, he and I still stay connected to this day. Um, he's not working with Disney anymore. He's retired, but he's done so much for Imagineering in the Disney company. So uh, happy to have worked with him and for him to allow me to have this opportunity. Uh, great guy. And is that when it starts, like, does it, has it hit, like, does it hit you that, you know, people, millions of people every year come and they hear and they know and they recognize and they, you know, remember and they probably mimic your voice because it is such an iconic part of that attraction. I got to tell you, I, that didn't hit me till later on, Lou. I didn't know how, I didn't know. I just was ignorant <laughs> of the, the, the type of impact that those attractions have. Uh, my first foray, as I mentioned down there at Walt Disney World, is when my family came down in uh, 2000. It was 2000, as a matter of fact, 1999 even, uh, that we just kind of ran around the parks. And we just didn't know the type of impact. So when you say millions of, uh, of people here, it's still a stunning number to me. And I just can't wrap my mind around it, but I'm so proud to be part of the magic, truly. Uh, especially for a ride that's so relaxing. It just it, You can get off of your feet and just go in the, the biomes or the, the biospheres. And, and sort of cool down during the hot days. It's a cool thing. I enjoy it. Uh, but I'm, I'm absolutely proud to be part of that, truly. So listen, let's. we need to get to the 
you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room. Cause while living with the land is wonderful. Uh, I will tell you that I, and I am not the only one that you are the voice of the one attraction that when I go to the parks, I make sure that I ride over and over again. We all know the narration. We all try and do the voice. But when you are the voice of the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, people move it, call it what you will, there's a lot, there's something, there's a lot of gravitas to that because you are not replacing, but you are following in the footsteps of a Jack Wagner and a Pete Renaday. Tell me how you get this gig and does the, do you recognize at the time just how beloved and how important this attraction is to Disney enthusiasts? Great question again. Uh, you're talking about constant Disney voices. These guys are awesome. Jack Wagner, Pete Renaday. I, I don't know if I would ever question to dare to follow them. <laughs> it's just what happened to me. And I'm thankful and said yes to the project. Of course. Why wouldn't I? Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But no, I got to answer your question here. I had no idea how the gravitas of this type of attraction and what it meant to people. I really, I, I, I didn't understand that, to be honest with you. Um, and I hate when, um, let me say this right. I, <laughs> I don't hate, I, uh, I'm sorry that I, I, that they, that Disney themselves took out what was very popular to people. Some of the things of old, um, there was nothing I could do about it. They, they gave me a script and of course I went and auditioned and did the job itself. And of course I, I would do exactly what they're asking, uh, for me to do. They accepted the work and they put it in now and it's, it's the TTA narration. I'm so happy to be a part of that. I really am. And by the way, I was sweating. I, I got to tell you, Lou, I was sweating bullets because this last year, of course, everyone understands the pandemic is coming to an end. And that's great. And they had taken the ride down. And I didn't know if I was going to be the narrator coming back. I just didn't know uh, what was going on there. And then I saw, believe it or not, I saw a video on YouTube. They were like, hey, the TTA is back open. No writers, but it's back open for testing. And it was my voice. And I was like, yes. <laughs> a lot of us were nervous, too. Because you might not know this. Disney fans do not like change. It, yes. it is a very touchy subject when you say you're going to remove something or someone that they just when we get to memorize all of the, the narrations and the spiels, in English and in Spanish, they go and they change it to somebody else. So there's a lot of people that are very happy that you remain the voice of this attraction. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I, too, am happy. It's <laughs> 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 like every time that goes around, I get a check. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, royalties are nice. I got to say, I do appreciate the, being, being a, a voice of an attraction that's so beloved. I but I, it's still, again, for me, it still is. I, I just can't believe how many people listen to it per year. I'm not even going to try to calculate it. I'm just happy to be the guy that they chose. I really am. Um, and when they decide to change it, they decide to change it. And it's all good. And I've had a fun ride. I enjoy it. Now, so when you finally rip your kids away from watching Atlantis for the 5,000th time, you say, come on, kids, we're going to Magic Kingdom to hear dad again. Do you do yeah. that? Do you go and ride and 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 take your family and take friends? Well, I'm not as close to Orlando as I used to be, so no, not as frequently. But we are planning to make another trip. As a matter of fact, got to do it. 
Uh, my kids are getting older and I want them to be able to experience it when they're in their teens and stuff like that. I've got five kids. So my older ones have enjoyed it. They wrote it themselves. It was awesome. I had a great time with them, but I wanted to show the younger two. Is it still cool for that? Like, is it still cool for your kids to go, that's my dad, that that's my dad on this attraction? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But nobody believes them. (laughs) I would be giving my kids DVDs and going here, give this to all your friends and teachers. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's a fun, fun fact. I enjoy doing it. I really do. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to take my kids so that they can experience it themselves. That will be great. This is my this is my uh, final two kids, my, my last two. Uh, we're planning on doing that soon. So I'll give you an update. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, and I wonder if it if it was almost a, a benefit to you not knowing the importance of the attraction because when they... When you do get signed on to get this gig, do you go back and listen to the Renaday and Wagner versions? Do you take inspiration? Do you try and make it your own? I did listen to the Renaday version, and you just can't you can't top he and Wagner's voice and what they've done for Disney, just, just establishing the voice direction for the parks and, and all that they've done. Those guys are giants. Uh, and how dare I try to follow in their steps? I mean, that's how I feel. I'm, I, I, I feel very um, humbled to be uh, asked as a Disney voice for this kind of thing. Um, but no, I, I don't try to do anything um, that they would do. I just tried to follow the direction of, uh, my producer during the time we were recording it just to give him what he wants. Uh, that's what a voice uh, person is supposed to do. And as long as I did that and he gave me a thumbs up at the end of the session, I feel like I did my job. All right. So now like, you know, you're out, this is pre COVID post COVID you're out, you're at a party and people say, Oh, so Mike, what do you do? Do you sort of throw in there? Yeah. That you know, you're a Disney fan. I'm the voice of the TTA. Do you, do you sort of play that the I'm the voice of the TTA card? And when you do, because you have to be like, people are like, oh, come on, do the voice. Like, do you, are you asked to do the voice? And if so, can you do the voice? <laughs> I can't you know, have the voice of the TTA on and not ask them to do the TTA. <laughs> uh, I Sadly, I don't. I, I don't do that. I mean, people raise their eyebrows like, what? No, wait, no. Like, it doesn't match up to them. Like, you can't live here and be the voice of the TTA. That doesn't make sense. Like, I, I, like you don't know who that guy is. That's the way I felt in my history <laughs> of uh, revealing that I'm the TTA guy. Uh, so, so, no, I have not done that. And by the way, that voice they have asked me to do for the TTA is a little higher than what I, how I normally speak and how I normally project. It's uh, you never know who you might see. It's that kind of thing. And uh, I had to do that the whole time. So <laughs> I don't know if if people can put that together. You know what I'm saying? I should trust people more than I do. Maybe I'm a little embarrassed. But uh, but no, I, I don't usually do that. It's it, it, it because it's met with eyebrow raises like what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's I, I think that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, because it is very it, it is very different in the previous incarnation, and I'm going to totally butcher it, but you had that very sort of deep welcome aboard, TTA travelers, whether you're a humanoid robot, and where you are is a little bit higher, it's a little brighter, it's a little bit more upbeat, and I think, you know, maybe even for young kids, like more inviting and welcoming and friendly. Yes, yes, that's what they asked for. They asked for a younger, higher voice, and they asked me to do it, and that's what I came up with. They're like, yeah, yeah, we like that, so I'm, I'm going to stick with it. That's what Disney likes. 
Well, I'm now going to um, stalk you at the TTA, and I'm going to ride with you and be like, come on, do the voice, do the voice, and I'm just going to hand you the script. (laughs) Let's do it. I'll be there. (laughs) Are there any, um, uh, you know, having worked down here and gone to the parks, have you ever gone to an attraction and go, oh, man, that's the one. I wish, I hope someday they call me and ask me to voice over this attraction. What is the dream attraction for you? I got this question before, uh, and I would never want to replace her uh, because she's awesome, but it's Dame Judi Dench for Spaceship Earth. I love that attraction. I think it's so cool. Again, it's one of those, again, where you can get in and sit down and cool off uh, and go through this whole history of the Earth. I think that's so cool. She does it well because she's just astounding (laughs) as a person and as an actor. She's awesome. But I would love to do that. I I would love to do that. I think that's cool. Have you, so you have, you never had sort of prior experience hearing any of the other, you never heard Jeremy Irons or Walter Cronkite on the attraction? We did hear Jeremy Irons uh, on there before. Absolutely, I did. And I loved it as well. Of course, that's Scar. And you go, hey, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it works. His voice is cool. So you you are now the voice you are the voice as far as i'm concerned mike you are the voice of tomorrowland right because that is that is the tomorrowland attraction this actually leads you to remain in tomorrowland a little while longer but not doing voiceover work correct correct uh and that was really odd to me it was odd to me uh, and i'm of course I'm very happy about it but it's odd to me because we were walking uh, my producer and i were walking uh to uh, Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover. This is after hours. This is uh, after the park is closed. He asked me to come in and just do a ride along with him and make sure that the voice was triggering appropriately and that everything was copacetic with uh, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, which of course I said yes to and I did. And it was fun <laughs> to be able to do that. It was just surreal. Uh, honestly, it was absolutely surreal to be there to, to do that. That was that was a trip. And then he asked me, he said, hey, uh, do you write music? <laughs> Can you write music? That was the that was the question. Can you write music? And no matter what, the answer is going to be yes. Yes, I Come can. Come on now, Luke. I need write. to go home and learn. Yes, I write music. Oh, you have to say yes. <laughs> Come on. This is Disney. They're asking you, can you write music? You clearly know that there's something coming up potentially if you say yes. And so I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and of course I did write music. So what what an exciting thing uh, uh, to have happen. So I go home that night uh, and I'm, I'm going, wow, I wonder what that meant. I had no idea about uh, the refurbishments going on. And I, I it was probably four to six months, uh, maybe something like four to four months afterwards. Uh, it really was a, a time where I was working, of course, and it went out of my head at that point that, uh, that my producer had asked me about music. And all of a sudden, I receive uh, an envelope from Disney Imagineering. Oh, my goodness, to receive one of those envelopes. Is, <laughs> it's like winning the lottery. It really is for me. You open it up. It's eight and a half by 11. You pull in that paper hat that says uh, from Imagineering, hey, Mike, we would uh, like to ask for you to compose some music for Space Mountain. Are you kidding me? Space Blue, Space Mountain. Are you joking? I get to, oh, so I'm freaking out and I'm screaming, jumping around in my studio. My wife's, she's thinking I'm an idiot, of course. Just, what are you doing? 
Uh, and of course, I got to thank my wife for all of her support throughout my entire career. Not just my wife, my family, my kids. They've sacrificed a lot for me to be in my studio and work out music and voiceover and all that good stuff. But uh, I'm thankful to her. And, I, and so I said, honey, honey, look, Imagineering is asking me to compose uh, new music for Space Mountain. Can you believe it? She couldn't believe it. It was just what a trip uh, to have that happen. And so I was excited, nervous as all get out. Lou, what do you do when Disney says, hey, there's an attraction we've had that people love so much that you now have to replace the music to so that people can love again? <laughs> what, what do you say? Uh, how, how do you do this? What? How? I don't understand. So, so I, I freaked out for a good while. And then my producer and I talked and he told me what he was looking for, at least from Imaginarium's perspective. And they tried a thing and that thing didn't work. It wasn't me. It was just they wanted to do some level things where you, you're going uh, space mountain. You start at the top. Of course, you go to this middle, middle section on Alpha or Omega. Um, and then uh, you uh, go to the bottom and have music switch around there. Uh, that didn't work just because of the space the nature of the space of Space Mountain and whether their refurbishments themselves had over a hundred and some uh, outboard speakers. Mm -hmm. So there would be a whole clash and cacophony of uh, tone and tune. If you were to do that, try to mix three types of music together. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to just create one piece that runs uh, two to three minutes um, throughout the, the entire time. It'll just be on a loop. And boy, they those speakers, that 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 just to see Space Mountain uh, and with the lights on and to walk around the track and to go to the elevator in the middle of the 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 oh my goodness. It was I was what I what I can't even believe I'm here. It was astounding. It was tremendous and what a what a great time I had uh doing that. So of course I write something much like uh, to their specifications. We change it again and again, get the iterations right. So they're happy and they put it in and they invite me in to, uh, to listen to it while they had it installed and got ready to open it up. And it was just, it was surreal again. That's probably the best word Lou for me to use. It was absolutely surreal to, to, <laughs> to know that you're, you're the guy uh, you're the guy that has Space Mountain like the other two guys that have Space Mountain that are Michael Giacchino and John Williams. Are you joking? John, I told you, was my, this dude is my hero. And here I am. Now, I didn't say, I want to clarify for your listeners, I am not John Williams. I never do, I, I dare to be him, but I am in league with him, at least with these uh, this attraction. And that is mind blowing. I just can't even believe it. I'm happy to be a part of that. And I'm proud of that. What a great opportunity. I feel very blessed uh, by that. And Giacchino is no slouch either. You know. Oh, no slouch either. <laughs> yes, yes. No slouch to Giacchino. I love, no, no. I love Giacchino's work. Um, Me too. I, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Lost, and, and I love his, his the music in Lost and, and a number of other. Um, yeah, Incredibles. I love all the stuff that he's done. Yeah, he's he's awesome. So do they just, do they give you a feeling that they are looking for and then you sit down at your keyboard with, you know, a pencil and a blank sheet of paper, of, of line paper in front of you and start from zero? Is, is that what your sort of direction is given before you put down that first note? So yes and no. To, to be specific about answering your question, they do absolutely give me direction 
in the beginning. Okay, we want it to sound like this. We want it to build like this. We want the energy to feel like this. So I'll get all of that information in the beginning as I, I talk to them. But I do not write on uh, stave paper uh, that way. I am not a trained uh, classical composer if you will. I'm a guy who has ears and uses those ears and comes up with ideas uh, that way. Um, but no one would have known the difference. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because if you come up with something, someone says, hey, I like that. They have no idea whether you are classically trained or not as long as it's good and right and what they asked for. So that's what it was for me. I just had some ideas in my head trying to fulfill their direction. And thinking about what it is I do, and they said they wanted to kind of keep it moving and they wanted to keep it uh, um, they exciting and then they have a different sort of section in the middle. So I had to change uh, directions there, not slow it down, but just change the directions and then make it more exciting at the end. Um, that's what I did. And those were my ideas. And I, I, like I said, I provided iterations to them and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to try that in the mountain tonight. And they try to say, Mike, Mike, we'd like for you to change this to this. And so I change it and do exactly what they're asking for until they get a final product that they appreciate and enjoy. Well, and music is is so critical right especially the energy that the music brings look there's you know you can't undervalue the the importance of music in storytelling right music in 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 movies and tv you also can't underestimate the importance of the storytelling and music as it were and and the story that you get to tell without a spoken word that's exactly right. Music is absolutely important. Every director will tell you that uh, at the end of a, 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 a movie score, I'm sorry, at the end of a movie production, uh, it, it, it's funny. We get forgotten about for a minute and then all of a sudden the score comes in and directors are crying uh, and just enjoying this element of, of, of emotion that they're asking for to be a part of the music that drives the music, uh, sorry, drives the uh, movie along and underscores the emotion that the uh, actors are portraying. And it's just the, the most beautiful thing when you see it come together and it's right. You, you would lose so much without music. Um, it, you absolutely would in movies and all the other entertainment venues as well. It just helps to tell the story. It's a great companion. And when done right, um, a la John Williams, <laughs> boy, it can just take it over the top. And I love that. I love when it's done right. I love when you love the music to, to an attraction because it's another element you can enjoy outside of it as well. You know, we started off talking about um, um, inspiration and legacy. And, and what I love about your story, Mike, is that's what I think you are, But right? Because you are a living proof that in order to pursue a passion for things like music, you don't have to go to Juilliard in order to do it. You can go on eBay, get yourself a Moog synthesizer and listen and write and learn on your own and, you know, might be able to sort of do the same type of things that you've done. Take that passion and turn it into something that you get to do every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. It can happen any which way. Uh, for anyone, there's so many talented people out there uh, that you're right, don't have to go to Juilliard and not knocking Juilliard or Berkeley or any other school uh, that teaches uh, people music. It's great to be learned in that way. And I, I know you you have different dimensions that you, you can apply going to those types of school to your craft. Not a problem. The, uh, but music itself existed before the schools did is what I'm trying to say. And because it's a human thing and it, 
it comes from us and it's biased and for us and through us, then we can certainly tap into that uh, anytime and try to mine that skill and, and give people what they're looking for feeling wise through the music. I think you can do it that way as well. You know, we touched on the, the impact and the importance of, of your presence in not just the movies that you touch, but even specifically now things like the parks. And I know, I, and as we start getting older, we start thinking about words like legacy uh, and the things that you leave behind, not just for yourself, but for your family and the generations that are going to follow you, your kids and their kids that are going to go and say, that's my dad. That's my grandfather. Is that, is that, overwhelming to you, you know, knowing that again, not just millions of other people are listening, but that you're, you're going to give your kids that gift of that legacy that they will be able to be proud of and talk about and share with others. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yes, yes, it is. And it's, it, it reminds me to honor my father, as a matter of fact, uh, with his journey, he touched, uh, the greatest, as a matter of fact, he punched the greatest, <laughs> if I can say. Uh, he fought Orman, uh, he fought uh, Ali, uh, and he fought a bunch of others. As a matter of fact, if you look up his record, uh, he was no slouch, and he left a great legacy and was a great individual, and I cannot believe that I get a chance to do the same uh, and leave a legacy for my kids uh, and their their kids and my grandkids, as you mentioned uh, so eloquently put that that is astounding to me and to be a part of the Disney legacy though is another level for me that I'm just amazed by just coming from like I said the Midwest not knowing much about Disney movies except that I enjoyed them uh, I didn't know I was going to be a part of that whole world uh, sorry Ariel but uh, I didn't know I was going to be uh, a part of that whole thing uh, and I am um, and I'm, 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 I'm such a part of it I'm very happy uh, to be that in that place. Very blessed. And I'm very glad that my kids can have something they can look back at and say, man, you know, dad did some cool stuff. Um, that makes me very happy because I know how proud I am of my father. So yes, absolutely. I couldn't have asked for this. I don't even know how I got here, Lou. <laughs> I mean, I know how I got here, but, but honestly, I, I, I don't even understand the, the, the connection, uh, but I'm very proud of it. I'm very thankful to those who have helped me along the way. And and in maybe paying that forward then in, in being thankful and being grateful, do you have advice for somebody who's listening? And I'm going to say it, man. I'm going to put it out this way that wants to be the next Mike Purcell, whether it's classes, exercises, Disney films they need to watch. What What's a bit of advice that you would give to somebody that wants to sort of follow in similar footsteps? You know what I would say? I'd say, first of all, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. If you make silly voices, fun voices, keep doing it. Keep doing that. And then go talk to those who do this professionally. So go get a coach. Go get some more knowledge. Figure out what the industry is like, what they do, what they want, what they don't want, and follow those steps. Uh, stay away from the uh, the, the minefields uh, that other people have gone down and go get a coach and they can help uh, take you along the path that uh, that you won't blow up and you might see some success. I can't guarantee anything more than anyone else can, but I can tell you that there is a path that does work. Disney's always looking for voices themselves. Uh, Disney character voices is an absolute institution in Disney. They're looking for people all the time. So are you the right one? Can you be the right one? I think you can with the right 
knowledge with the right direction, certainly you can be. <clears throat> and not just, <clears throat> excuse me, for voiceover, but for music as well. Uh, listen to the greats. Use your ears. Uh, uh, again, test it against uh, uh, your peers who are in that industry. Uh, it's an easy thing to do. Uh, so just start working on it and just start believing in yourself, doing it, change, adapt, grow, and get better. I love it. All right. So because, listen, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, favorite Disney movie. I got to say the Lion King, Lou. I've had a long time to think about which one and I, I can skip back and forth because there's some fun ones, no doubt. But I got to say the Lion King. And the reason why is because it's such a great redemption story. That's what I love. I love that so much. It just, it's everlasting, that kind of theme. Um, it's so good. And the movie itself is good. It's emotional. It's uh, everybody, everybody understands it. And of course, it's a father and a son kind of thing. And I, I, I absolutely relate to that too. So it's it's awesome. All right, you're the music guy. So your favorite Disney song? Ooh, favorite Disney song. Wow. Okay, that's how, I've never been hit with that one before. <laughs> you have to give me a minute on that. Ooh. Uh, oh, okay. I think I got it. This one sticks in my head, and it's Hercules. Uh, what is the song he sings? Go the um, distance. Yes. That's it, it. Come on, that's it. I love the messaging in that one so very much. Uh, I love that. I just think that it's an awesome tune, uh, awesome lyrics. I love that song. Excellent. Listen, man, I absolutely dig the genuine passion, the enthusiasm. I can, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it on your face. uh, And I love that. And it's, it's, and that's why I'm so happy to be able to share your story with other people uh, tell the people who are listening where they can find you if to either your your website social etc absolutely now i'm not a huge social guy but i'm on facebook you can uh, check me there you can check me at highly orchestrated music that's facebook of course as well i do have a microsoft.com <laughs> slash uh it's there's no slash like we see i'm terrible microsoft.com <laughs> Website, it, it don't go there. It, it, there's nothing there yet. It's still under. <laughs> it's that's under. The, that's the worst uh, plug ever. Here's my website. Is. Don't go there. Whatever you do, don't go to my website. <laughs> See, I told you I can't do this well. I, I, I need someone to help me with this. Uh, but I'm also, of course, I need more music, and that is my music library site. And of course, you're welcome to go there and listen to some of the stuff that I produce uh, with some of my composer friends, uh, things like that, out there for TV, film, and and all that good stuff. Uh, uh, and I'm on Twitter as well. So if you want to be, catch me, follow me, you're welcome to do that uh, at microcell.com or microcell at Twitter, um, whatever it is. See, I'm terrible. No, I need help. I, listen, Somebody I'll help me. I'll put links in the show notes. And when I share it out, I'll share all your social and the I need Woo! music too. So. See, I write music and do voiceovers. I don't do marketing. What? <laughs> well, Mike, I, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I will tell you as a... Disney enthusiast, as someone who has enjoyed your work uh, in the attractions and and uh, both the narration and the music, uh, I appreciate you, man, and, and as does my family. And I appreciate your your time tonight um, sharing your story with me. Are you kidding me, Lou? I appreciate being on your show. Honestly, this is awesome. I love talking about this. I don't do it that often, but I'm very proud to be a part of the magic. And and uh, when I get asked to, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do this uh, just because what a blessing it, uh, this opportunity has been. Uh, I'm ha- happy to talk about it. It's awesome. And I'm thankful to Disney uh, for them to, to say yes to me for this stuff too. So I'm happy. This is cool. 
and Mike, look, I would, I would, they will, I will, they will kill me if I don't ask you to give me a little bit of people mover. Welcome aboard the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, a quiet and carefree highway in the sky. I, I remember, I memorized it and Mike has it, but. <laughs> okay, okay, wait a minute. So, so I, I gotta have it here somewhere. I know I do. Uh, let me see, let me see. I, I wanna get it for you. I wanna do this for you. Uh, people Mover. Uh, yeah, I have it. I know I do. Turn off Atlantis for five minutes and pull up the People Mover <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, I do have it. G- give me just one second. I promise you I'll pull it up here. Uh, your highway in the sky. Yes, I do have it. Uh, I was nervous that day too. Wow, uh, but that was fun. Um, that was fun doing that, and I had so much fun in the studio recording that. Um, the People Mover is the perfect vehicle for people watching. That's it. <laughs> that was me, not Mike. Just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover, your quiet and carefree highway in the sky. We invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy your grand circle tour of Tomorrowland. I love it. It's like being there. It's just like being there without the oppressive heat. Mike Purcell, <laughs> thank you so much, brother. I, I sincerely appreciate you and, and appreciate your time tonight. Hey, thank you so much, Lou. This was an honor. I'm so happy to be doing this. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, hear, remember, or taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's contest is brought to you by Sideshow Collectibles, where you can let your Disney sideshow with limited edition collectible figures, statues, art, jewelry, replicas, clothes, and more from the greatest purveyor of pop culture in the known universe, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars. I'm a huge fan of Sideshow. I have a number of pieces in my own collection. I've gifted other pieces as well. You can find everything over at www.radio.com slash Disney side. And if you sign up for their free email newsletter, you'll also save $15 off your first order. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to name an attraction that has appeared in both Epcot and Magic Kingdom. Now, it had to be the same attraction, but at different times in both parks in Walt Disney World. I want to thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, or once again, were very creative in your answers and knew that the answer was, of course, Magic Journeys. Now, if you remember, Magic Journey was an opening day attraction in Epcot, but it's the only attraction ever to have a home in different locations on property And in more than one park. Because if you remember, Magic Journeys was a 3D show that was originally in the Imagination Pavilion with music composed by the Sherman Brothers. And in February of 1986, the show closed to make way for Captain EO. In December of 1987, it was dusted off the shelf and began its new life in the Fantasyland Theater that was once home to the Mickey Mouse Review. It closed there in late 1993 to make room for a new attraction, Legend of the Lion King. So once again, congratulations. Thanks to all of you who entered, got this one correct. And again, last week you were playing for a brand new WW Radio pin. 
and keychain, and I'm also gonna throw in a bonus prize as well. And last week's winner, randomly selected is Larissa Spiro. So Larissa, congratulations. I have your mailing address and we'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So with Loki debuting this week on Disney+, Plus, I'm very excited about that, by the way. I want to ask you a question about Thor's brother. Well, half-brother. And it's very simple. Loki is known as the god of what? There's only one god, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. I agree with you, Captain America, but Loki is known as the god of what? Now, this week, you're not only going to play for the WW Radio pin and keychain, which you can only get by winning a contest prize here on the show, but I'm also going to include a special Marvel mystery prize. And it literally is a mystery, not just to you, but to me as well, because it's a blind box package of, well, that's part of the mystery too. You have until Sunday, June 13th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I hope you had fun, learned something new, and that the show brought a little or a lot of happiness and Disney magic to your day and your week. Our question of the week this week is, if you could voice one attraction in a Disney park, what would it be and why? I'll post this question in the clubhouse. That is our community over on Facebook where you can be part of the conversation by going to www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also, better yet, show off your voice. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Let me know what attraction you'd like to voice. And if you want to send me a little bit of an audition, you can do that as well. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and be sure to like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio. Turn on notifications so you don't miss a thing, including our Wednesday night live show every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. We talk about this week's show, what's news in Walt Disney World and the Disney parks, Marvel, and Star Wars. I share my top five live where you are part of the creating of the list. We're also going to do 20 questions contests, lots more. Our Disney Plus pick of the week, which is obviously going to be Loki. Again, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. Speaking of Loki, I invite you once again to please join our spoiler support group at www.radio.com slash spoilers. This is a fun, safe place, unless you don't like spoilers, to talk not just about Loki, but anything on Disney Plus or coming out in the movies. Again, www.radio.com slash spoilers. Speaking of Loki, by the way, please check the WW Radio blog at www.radio.com for something that I share about Loki from my childhood that ties in to the Disney Plus show and Mephisto. Anyway, speaking of Marvel, also, don't forget that we still have availability on our Marvel Day at Sea Cruise, February 5th through the 10th on the Disney Magic out of Miami by going to www.radio.com slash Marvel Cruise. You can find out more. And if you can't make it in February, that's fine because we are going to also go on an inaugural cruise on the Disney Wish 
June 20th, 2022 for four nights. To find out more, get a free no obligation quote. You can go to wdwradio.com slash Disney Wish 2022. And by the way, if you can't make June 20th for a variety of reasons, stay tuned because we are going to cruise again on the Wish as a group in the fall of 2022. Stay tuned for more information about that. I also want to say huge thanks and a long virtual hug to all the new and longtime members of the WDW Radio Nation family. I sincerely appreciate you and the support and the friendship and the help that you give to the show each and every month, as well as I love the opportunity to give back to you in lots of different ways, including welcome packages, monthly scavenger hunts and trivia quests, monthly live video group calls on Zoom, care packages from the parks and more. I want to thank some new and longtime members, including M.M. Hall, Jason Watson, Carly McCune, Michelle Carter, and Pamela Coleman. Your help is sincerely appreciated. If you want to find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can go to wdwradio.com slash support. And please don't forget that while this is completely optional, it is very much appreciated. And a portion of your contribution does go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Because of you, we have raised more than $450,000 to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families Get a little bit of Disney magic when they need it most by sponsoring their trip to Walt Disney World. Again, you can visit, you can find out more by visiting wdwradio.com slash support. I would also like to be able to help you if possible. So if you are looking for one-on-one mentoring, being part of a weekly mastermind group, if you have this idea or a business or a blog or a podcast, if you're a content creator or have a brick and mortar business, I'd love to help you move the needle in a positive way, or if you're looking for a speaker for your school, your event, or if you're a conference, you can visit loumangelo.com. And if and when you are looking to go to not just Walt Disney World or Disneyland or Disney Cruise Line, but any destination in the world, you can go and visit my friends over at mousefantravel.com. They are my official and recommended travel provider, and it honestly has nothing to do with the fact that they can get you the best possible prices. They will apply all available discounts and all of their services cost you absolutely nothing, but it's the level of trust that they have instilled, not just in me, but in countless people that I and others have referred to them over the years. They have been my friend, they have been my recommended partner, and it's who I use for more than 14 years. You can go to visit them by visiting mousefantravel.com. Tell them Lou sent you. And nice segue, Mangello. Speaking of telling them Lou sent you, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell a friend that you're listening. Invite somebody else to come and check out the podcast and be part of the community. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds. It's all it takes to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It is incredibly, incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Laura Elizabeth 22, who says, it's my favorite podcast. I've been listening to the show for almost 10 years. I love how Lou is, almost, is always able to bring the magic of Disney to wherever I am. He has a way that makes you feel like you're part of the family because you are, as well as getting you excited for your next Disney adventure. Thank you, Lou, for bringing a little bit of magic and joy to my life. And Taylor Fry says, I'm a longtime listener, first-time reviewer. I've loved the show for years. It's such a great way to stay connected to what's new in Walt Disney World. I 
and lose an amazing host. Thank you. I'm also your friend. He's also warm and enthusiastic, and he can't help but be happier listening to this podcast. Taylor, that's exactly what I want you to feel as you listen and when you are done. Laura Elizabeth 22, thank your, you for your review as well. Again, just search for WW Radio and Apple Podcasts, or if you go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, it'll show you exactly how and where to do it. Finally, most important, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you so very much. I hope this show does make you happier, puts a smile on your face, and maybe, who knows, inspires you to be a little bit better and to pay that forward and to choose the good. I believe that we have the power, the ability, and yeah, maybe even a responsibility to try and find the good in everything that we do and every one that we encounter. And if we choose the good, we be the good. There's a ripple effect of positivity that I promise you will impact others in a meaningful way. And it'll also make you feel good about yourself too. Trust me on this one. It's who I am. It's what I do. And I promise you it has made me a much happier, much more positive person And I think it will for you as well. I hope that this really is your best week ever. If there's any way that I can help you, please. I mean it when I say reach out and let me know what I can do. I love you. I appreciate you. So until next time, hope to see you on Wednesday. So until next time, see you. Oh, and one more thing. I'm going to be out covering Avengers Campus very, very soon. Stay tuned for more information about when you'll be able to join me live, either if you're out in Disneyland at Avengers Campus or when I'll be broadcasting from Avengers Campus and you can be there with me live. Stay tuned. Hi, Lou. My name is Sherry. I'm calling from New Jersey. I just finished listening to episode number 634 on the podcast about the Beach Club. And I want to tell you, it brought back such great memories from six years ago. I decided to splurge for my niece's 16th birthday, so I did book us into the beach club, and everything you said on the podcast is true. It is, to me, the number one resort at Disney World, and I hope to be able to afford to go again next year with the the rest of the family, but the, 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 the hotel itself is just so great indoors. It is breezy. It is sunlit. Uh, it just gives you this great feeling, and as far as outdoors goes, Besides the convenience to getting to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, I'm not a water park person, but that storm along Bay sold me. It was great. The Lazy River, there's just nothing better at the end of a a hot park day to go out and float around on that inner tube and have some snacks and a drink. You guys, you and Becky were right on with your assessment of this place. And I just wanted to add how much I enjoyed the show. It brought back so many wonderful memories of that trip where everything just went perfectly. And I want to thank you for your weekly podcast because you are just as bright and sunny as the resort. Thank you, Lou. Bye. Lou, this is Rob from Windermere, Florida. Um, loved the conversation you had in regard to the pre-shows of Walt Disney World. I got to say, though, I am very surprised and disappointed. How could you possibly forget the Voices of Liberty prior to the American Adventure. It is live entertainment, real, live, honest-to-goodness people you can interact with, uh, and nothing, nothing prepares you for the, uh, uh, dare I say, vomitous patriotism that is about to be poured all over you for the American Adventure. Nothing prepares you for that more than the Voices of Liberty. Uh, that's all. Um, have a great day. Good afternoon, Mr. Mangello. This is Brian 
Wilson from St. Augustine, Florida, sitting here on my balcony over at Shades of Green. My wife uh, surprised us with a uh, little family staycation just to get away for a little bit, just for this uh, Memorial Weekend. Just wanted to uh, take some time and reflect and um, just remember all of our brothers and sisters who uh what this what this holiday is actually really all about. So um just wanna remember that it's not just a barbecue holiday. And that um hope you guys everybody have a great safe memorial weekend. Alright, bye. Hi everybody, it's Elizabeth from Massachusetts. It has been a hot minute since I've called in. I've been so, so busy. Um but yeah, I was just actually in Walt Disney World for um, the D2 Summit, which is a cheerleading competition, which I know is a lot of times the end or the butt of it, the end of a lot of jokes um, for Disney fans. But I will say it was absolutely fabulous to be back home and to be doing what I love, where I love most. Um, my kids had so much fun. And as always, there's nothing like the ESPN zone and what it does for kids and athletes across this country. So I, if any of our listeners out there were just there for it or know someone who was a part of it, hope your athletes had so much fun um, and enjoyed their time. I know I did. So I hope everybody's doing well. I just listened to the Beach Club Resort Report. Fabulous as always. I cannot agree more that it is one of the most beautiful resorts during the holidays. Um, and I would like for you guys uh, to go ahead and do the um, Animal Kingdom Lodge next. That would be great. Um, I don't think you've done that one yet. I could be wrong. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's crazy that things are opening up more. I hope everybody's staying safe. Um, I'm excited to be back again in the world in June for a family vacation. And, yeah, I hope everyone is doing well, staying positive, stay magical, sprinkle some pixie dust no matter where you go, and make somebody smile. I will talk to you all later. Enjoy your day, and see you real soon. Bye. (laughs) 